0: we looked at last week. Keep running the race till you see Christ, right? And so this morning we're going to take our Bibles to chapter 12 again of Hebrews. We've been here last week and this week, we're going to be here again today. In a few weeks we'll finish the book of Hebrews. You say, "Where are you going after you finish the book of Hebrews?" I don't know where I'm going for lunch today. So I'll worry about that when we get to that point. I'm not quite there yet. Got enough things to worry about, don't need to worry about that yet. I got a few ideas, but we'll see what happens. Hebrews chapter number 12 today. We looked at last week that God has a race for us to run and wants us to finish the race. And if we're going to run the race that the Lord has for us, some things we have to do we looked at last week. There in verse 1, we've got to lay aside every weight and the sin which has always beset us. We have to run with patience endurance the race set before us. We're only going to do that as we keep our eyes on Jesus and look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And how he did, and then consider him. But then we see the author here now talks about correction. How many of you in this room loved getting corrected by your parents when you were a child? Anybody in the room, you like getting corrected? We have one man that raised his hand because he doesn't remember being a child. And so that's why that's why David raised his hand there. He does, he, you were a child at one point. You remember that, right, David? And so, I know, I'm just teasing you. No one likes being corrected. Did you like, like me, I got some spankings growing up? Yeah, and I know in our world today that's not a popular thing to say. I'll say a little bit more about that in a few minutes, but we'll see where we get to with all of that. But I didn't enjoy getting, getting spankings. I didn't enjoy getting in trouble. None of us do. But it's a part of life, and it's good for us. I would say what my parents did in my life and what they helped me with has helped me to where I am today because they helped train me and the discipline that they taught me and how they taught me how to live has helped me get to 38 and trying to train my children. And there's, it's important. And God pieced that together. But the other thing you've got to remember here today is that we look at these, this passage today and we talk about God's chastening God loves you this morning. Do you realize that? He loves you more than anybody could ever love you. You're his child. At the end of the day, what does he want for you? He wants his very best for you. He wants the best. Sometimes we don't look at things in the same light as the Lord does when it comes to these things. And so today as we look at this passage, really... I know my title says God's love through chastening. I really think you could rename this really the benefits of God's chastening. And don't forget the benefits of it. Do we like it? Do we want it? No. Does God have a reason for what he does? Yes. Are there times that we need to be corrected? If you say no, then you haven't spent much time with yourself. Because we all need correction. We all need help in this life. And so as we look today, let's read verse four and five and we'll dive into the message. It says there in verse four. Ye have not um, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against. Them, and ye have forgotten. Look at that there. You've forgotten the exhortation with children. My son, despise thou not, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now, do you see there in verse five? It says, "You've forgotten that you've forgotten the encouragement which speaks to you as children." And then it says, "My son, despise not the chastenings of the Lord." That sounds real encouraging, doesn't it? That really, if I'm gonna go, if someone's down and needs encouragement, I'm gonna let me remind you this morning: Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. That would not be my first topic to go to. Say, would it be any of your topics in encouraging someone? Well, I guess so, maybe it should be, because we'll look at the product of it and what it shows. But we look at this today, and we look at this passage, and as we dive in this morning, really what, and if we look at the benefits, if we're going to remember the benefits of God's chastening and God disciplining and growing us, if we're going to think, and sometimes this is what we look at, chastening. Chastening, we think, of getting spanked right away, getting a whooping. The word chastening that's found here in the scripture doesn't have to do with getting a whooping. Scourging does. That's in verse 6. And it talks about scourging. Jesus was scourged, right? He was. Whooping. That's in verse 6. The word chastening means to train, to teach. And you know, God's chastening doesn't have to be because you, God's chastening me because I've done wrong. God's chastening could just be the discipline to teach you what's right. Those of you that have kids in the room, you've had to teach them how to do things right. I would hope in this day and age that we live, many parents, let you know one of the big problems in America today and in our world today? Children are running the home and doing their own thing. Children really are the leaders in the home. You know, it used to be you could look and you you turn on the television back in the, you know, we go back to the 50s and 60s, You'd have shows like Leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Best, things like that. Then in the 90s, it changed a little bit to where, and I like the show, kind of Home Improvement with Tim Allen and that. But you notice it went from where dad knows what's going on to where in the 90s, dad's a bonehead and mom knows what's going on. And then you watch television today, dad and mom are both the boneheads. And the kids really are the ones that know what's going on, and the kids should be leading things because and that you see the denigra- you see that in our society and where we're at as a society today. And God gives children parents for a reason. They need someone to help train them and show them life. There are times I remember when I learned how to ride a bicycle. That took some training. My knees got messed up. My knees got all scraped up, but it was helping me learn to ride the bike. Sometimes I think we look at chastening and think, well, God's just punishing me. That's not what chastening means. There are times he punishes and whoops us, and we need it. I, cannot, I can look back in my childhood, and I can think of a few times that I didn't deserve the and I but then all the times I did deserve it and didn't get it made up for the few times that that happened. Now, let's make sure we understand something. We talk about whooping, spankins, things like that. Our world doesn't like talking about those things. Discipline's a good thing. And if you love your children, you learn to discipline them and you train them. But there is a fine line, and make sure you understand this, a fine line between discipline and training and abuse. Abuse has no place in child rearing. Bruises on children and all that because you're training them something, that's abuse and that's wrong. It has no place in it. You don't, you don't discipline in anger. You don't. Abuse is wrong. Do I still believe spanking is a good thing? I do. It has its place and it's, I believe it plays a vital role. And you do enough of it when they're young on certain things. They don't need it anymore. But you don't abuse them. I don't look back and say, my parents abused me. I don't. They love me enough to train me and to teach me what I need to learn. So as we look today at the message, I don't want you to look at this, the benefits of God's chastening. He's going to help us grow. He's going to teach. Us, he's going to show us things. Then there'll be times when we don't do what he says and he rebukes us. And then there's times he pulls out the stick so, stick and whoops us. But there are different degrees and different things to think about. So this morning, bless you over there, and Belinda and, and uh and Manny, you just got covered in a shower back in the corner there. And so just kidding. No, Stephanie's very good at using her shoulder. That's the way you do it. You don't use your hands anymore, right? Don't use your hands and then go shake someone's hand. But as we look here this morning, let's dive right in. Number one, if we're going to look at the benefits of this, you've got to remember what God says about chastening. We see right away, you've forgotten. We see that right there in verse You've forgotten the exhortation. And many times when it comes to the Word of God, we cannot take comfort or find encouragement in God's Word when we don't know it, right? You need to know it. And then you need to remember it. We have a tendency to forget things, don't we? We do. And then the older you get, you forget more things, right? Is that true or is that not true? Some, some are saying it's true and some are saying it's not true. So it just depends on who the person is. But why do you think in the Old Testament the Lord, the children of Israel, they set up memorials? Put these rocks here, or did this or that. The memorial was to help them remember what God did for them. Why? Because we tend to forget what the Lord does in our own lives. One minute the Lord's done something, and we're like, this is a blessing what the Lord's done. And then the next minute we're like, where's the Lord? He's not helping me. Where's he at? Because we forgot what he just did. Right? And so we need to remember the Lord's Supper. It's a time to remember Jesus. It's a memorial to remember him and what he's done for us. We need to remember. So if we look at this, how can we benefit from God growing us and chastening us? And chastening is not a bad thing. I'll give you the, you'll see the Greek word in a few minutes here. Some of you don't know Greek. I don't either, but there's some English meaning to it too, so you'll be okay. But we must remember what God's saying about it. Number two this morning, we must learn the purposes of chastening. Why does, God, why does God chasten us or discipline us or correct us or teach us? Why does God do those things? We look at the verse here. To, it says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint, thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. I have in my notes here, when we think about the purposes, I believe there's three reasons or three purposes behind God's chastening in our lives. First of all, letter A, it's corrective. There are times that we're doing something we shouldn't do, and God has to chasten us. He has to correct us to move forward. The Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. See verse 30, it says that many were weak and sickly among you, and many sleeped. There was a problem and the Lord he had to, it was corrective. This has to be fixed. There were times when you've seen the, in the Old Testament there are times the Lord corrected something. And the Bible even says in verse 32 of that same chapter it talks about the fact that it's the chastening of the Lord and, him tra- and things happen. Sometimes it's corrective. Sometimes, letter B, it's preventative. God chastens us to prevent other things. So what's a good example? I think Paul's a great example of that. Listen to what it said about Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me born in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. This thing in Paul's life, what was it doing? It was helping him not be prideful, right? It's what Paul says. So I'm not prideful. I have this thing here. Could it be that this was preventative to keep him from pride? So it could be corrective. It could be preventative. It could also be, when we look at the purpose, it can be educational to teach us and to train us the things. And so you got to understand something. It is possible. I went to school for 12 years and then I went to college so I've been in, I was in school 16 years. It is possible to go to school during a day and learn. It is possible. And there are days that I feel like I learned a lot. And you know a big difference between the days I didn't learn and the days I learned? It was my attitude when I was there. Sometimes God chastens us to teach us a lesson to learn. And some of you in this room are as stubborn as I am, and sometimes you've got to learn that lesson a few times before you get it figured out. And even then you don't always get it figured out. But I believe, what's the purpose? I believe it's corrective, it's preventative, it's educational. And I stole those three points you see in the notes there. I got that from John MacArthur right there. I wouldn't take a lot from John MacArthur, but a few things I would, and that's one that I would. You say, you don't like everything that John MacArthur says? No. But I'll tell you this, I don't like everything Brian Pattison says. So why would I like everything that someone else says? So, but when you take something from someone else, you give them credit for that there. And I believe that that's a good way to look at the purpose behind it. Corrective, preventative, educational. And so if we're going to benefit from this chase. In our lives, we got to remember what God says about it. We got to remember the purpose behind it. Then, number three, we got to learn to respond properly to it. Respond properly to it. Was there ever a. Think back to when you were a kid. And some of you, that's a hard thing to do, but think back for me. Some of you, it was a long time ago. Right, Carla? No, I'm just teasing. Season. Your your dad, your dad remembers when you were a kid. I know that. He remembers that. And so I can remember times where I was getting in trouble for something, and I accepted it and knew I needed to get this and let it help me. And there were times that I resisted it. You know what I'm talking about? We have to learn to respond properly to God's chastening. Look what it says in that verse. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Now, this is what we think of when we think of despise. And that's the word that's used right there. But when we think of despise, we think of to hate and want nothing to do with, right? That's what the word in the in the King James abomination would mean that. Detest, despise. The word despise here doesn't mean to hate the correcting of the Lord. It's to be indifferent and not what God's doing with it. Does that make any sense to you? So if you look back at that, look at what it says there. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. That word despise, when we see this here, it means that when it comes to God's discipline, you're indifferent to its significance. You refuse to even consider that what you're going through might be God trying to grow you into what he wants you to become. You look at it as this is God punishing me. God doesn't like me. That's despising the chastening of the Lord. And like I said, the chastening of the Lord is not all negative. We look at it as negative. We hear that word chastening. It's negative. No, God training us and growing us to become what we're supposed to become. Don't despise it. And don't look at life and say, well, this thing happening in my life, this, there's no way this is God. This is all whatever. That's despising the chastening of the Lord. Could it be that God's trying to help you and grow you through what you're going through? Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He does. And don't despise it, but then the other thing that we run into is not only if we don't despise it and treat it indifferent, we also can get discouraged and faint by it at the same time. Do you see that at the end of that verse, verse 5? Not only despise not the chastening of the Lord, don't faint. Don't get weary. A lot of Christians are ready to give up, aren't they? Don't let the Lord trying to teach you what he wants you to do weary you, discourage you, or you treat it indifferent. Realize God is trying to do something. Even when I don't see it, he is working. Do you realize that? We will never understand how the Lord works. We won't. We're not God. I think some of us like to think that we're God with certain things, but we're not God. He's God. We have to trust him. And when we look at this here, we've got to understand something. We've got to respond properly. Don't despise it. Don't treat it as if this isn't God. This is just what. And also, don't let it discourage you and help you faint. We're going to let the chastening of God and God's love through chastening benefit us. We need to remember what God says about it. We've got to learn from the purposes of it. We have to respond properly to it. And, then next, and you think about this. How do you respond during the difficult times in your life? How do you respond? Despise not the chastenings of the Lord. Don't faint, don't get weary by that. But may I also remind you, we must also learn that there's a progression in chastening. Do you know there's three parts to chastening that we see in these verses? And that's why I mentioned to you, sometimes we just think chastening is a bad thing. Well, look Look at verse 5 and 6 again. There's three words used through here. Five. It says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son. So as we look at this here, you see three words: chastening, you see rebuke and scourging. Those are the three words that are used. So when we look and we think about this, the word chastis, um, chastening, is often translated chastisement or discipline. It's where the word comes from, discipline. That's why chastening. I don't. I think that if and. You say, well, are you saying you know better than people who translated Scripture? I don't know better than people who translated Scripture. I can't even speak English, let alone another language. But I just know when I hear chastening, no one likes hearing that word. Discipline, teaching discipline, that's a different thought in our head. Like, and so, But you got to look and understand that word literally means, to, it's, it's the Greek word padia there, and it denotes the overall training of a child. It signifies what is done to train, correct, develop, and mature children in order to help them develop as they should. And by the same token, the purpose of Christian discipline is to develop our character. You know, in all reality, what most Christians want, they want, they want God to be like a grandfather to them. I think C.S. Lewis said like this. He said, many would rather have a benevolent grandfather in heaven whose primary interest is our contentment than a father whose primary interest is our character. I think that's pretty true. We'd rather have God let us do as we please than have him be as a father to us and correct us in these things. And we, so we look at, when you think of chastening, a lot of times you think of getting spanked, getting a whooping, getting a punishment. But literally it has to do with the training of an individual and the training we get in the Christian life. That's the word chastening. But do you notice after it says chastening, it says the Lord rebukes, right? That word rebuke literally means, um, it's another Greek word, it means to convict or reprove. It implies a rebuke that is deserved and that carries conviction. A rebuke is a verbal correction. It's a, ever read the Bible when you're doing something you shouldn't do? And it speaks to you like, I shouldn't do that. That's some rebuking from God. He speaks through his word. It happens. And then the third word that we see is the word scourging. Or scourgeth here. And that word means to be whooped. That's literally what it means. Jesus was scourged, right? On the cross. So there are times that the Lord teaches us discipline. There are times he openly corrects us. And then there's times he just says, you're getting a whooping. And I thought, you know, at times I thought my, growing up, my dad's whoopings were worse than my mom's. But my dad would stop after a few. My mom's would just keep going. So I think hers I feared more. And and my dad's were kind of like in the same spot. My mom had no aim with them. They were like everywhere. It's like seeing some people go to a target and they're shooting a target and they're everywhere on that thing. That was my mom when it came to whooping. It was everywhere. Sometimes it would be on the bottom of the, bottom of the legs. It was meant right for the rear end. But anyways, who knows? But we all, this. you know this is how we do with our kids? Let me use an example for you. So let's say my family, i got four kids. Let's say that we're going to go over, we're going to the Van de Stieg's house for dinner. They invited us over. So we're in our car and on the way over there, I make sure I tell my kids, you cannot act the way you always act at home. You've got to be on your best behavior going to someone else's house. And when you go to someone else's house, I know that I got that big dog, and you're going to want to run around and do all of that. But I would tell them probably some things like Ollie, right? Ollie, that's your dog's name. I would say, all right, William, I don't want you to ride Ollie like a horse, okay? Don't do that. And then I don't want you running around the house or picking up something that's theirs and tossing it like a football. You have to be good. And before we go, I would set up the expectations. This is what I expect when we go. That would be the chastening part so we're there and after a little bit of time William gets on Ollie's back and he's smacking Ollie and riding riding like a horse and it might look fun for him but I'd already told him in the car that's not what I wanted to do and David and Matthew are running around the house being crazy when I told them you can do that at our house be crazy you can't let other people know you're crazy or in that so I'd already said everything so what I'd probably do at that point I'd be like William I told you already, don't do that. That would be the rebuke. I would openly be telling him, you shouldn't be doing this. And I'd be telling the other boys, I told you not to run. You need to stop running and do what I say. So they, you need to just quit, Surrey. I don't know what your problem is today. That's Surrey, but anyways. Yeah, it's, it's Surrey on Apple, but anyways. Um, so the ch- chastising and the, the discipline, this is what we're going to do. The rebuke is that, and then what happens when they just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it? That's when the scourging comes into play. Not at their house, but after home. I affected. I've tried to fix it, and they still won't listen. And then the next extreme comes into play. That's how it is with the Lord, isn't it? He teaches us. And then through his word, he tries to fix us and convict us and rebuke us. And sometimes we're so stubborn, he's like, You need more than that. And that's the progression of chastening. Which leads, what number are we on? Five or four? We're on number five. Which leads to the product. What does chastening produce in our lives? And what does it show in our lives? Look what it says there endure chastening. God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof you're all partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons? You're an illegitimate son. You're not really a son. You know, you look at that. I used the example in the last service. In my mind, there are certain things that kids should and should not do when they're in church. So after church, Wednesday nights, that's a great example. A lot there are a lot of kids that are just playing around in here and even running to some degree I do, I, I'm the type of person I do not think a kid should be running in church period but I also one of the reasons I don't want them running is we have a lot of mature people in here with walkers and things and you could trip them up you, it's not, I want my kids not to do that that's my thing. But that's my rule for my kids I don't go around to the kids who are not my kids and say you stop that now They're not my kids. I got four kids that God's given me. I correct and help my kids. You get that? You don't go around to someone else's kids and train them. You have your kids. And one of the things, one of the products of chastening and one of the things that we see, first of all, letter A, is the fact that it proves our relationship. If the Lord corrects you and chastens you, you belong to him. Isn't that a blessing? That's a good thing to know else's kid I'm my own aren't you grateful for that William isn't that just a great thing to know William's the sneaky one he's the one you gotta watch out for David and Matthew will just do it right out in the open that one that you gotta watch out for you know why I gotta watch out for you being the quiet one because that's how I was at your age and I know how I was and how I still am so I know I know you I know what you're thinking and I know what you're thinking right now even just that look you're giving me right now stop talking about me and move on I know (laughs) I got you, I got you. But it proves the relationship. It says it right there. And God understands something. A lot of times when we look at situations, when we look at correction, or when we look at things going on in life, our reaction is, doesn't love me, he doesn't care about me, all these things. But when the fact is, God does love you, you're his child, that's why he's going to help you grow and discipline you. And rebuke you and whoop you if you need it every once in a while. It proves the relationship. It proves the fact that you're a child of God. God only disciplines his children. He doesn't discipline the children of this world, He disciplines his children. And not only that, but let her be. And lastly, this morning, it proves our Father's love. Look at verse number nine. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which correct us. And we gave them... Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they are verily for a few days chastening us after their own pleasure. But he... Why does the Lord... Why is the Lord chasten us? Look at what it says there. It's... Takers of his holiness. Now no chasten. For the present, seemeth to be joyous, isn't that the truth? No one enjoys, pen or the chastening. We don't enjoy it in the moment. But look at what it says there. It says, "But grievous." That's how we view it. Nevertheless, word it yield peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Literally, in the moment and in those times where we're getting trained, you don't like the training. You don't enjoy the trance. It's just like I can think back to when I was in high school and played football. I hated that conditioning week. I mentioned it last week. I literally hated it. I despised it. Wanted nothing to do with it. The bear crawls and things like that. I brought knee pads for my bear crawls. And my coach didn't like that. It made me t- I, I thought it was a great idea. I know for bear crawls your knees aren't supposed to touch the ground, but for some reason my big knees did. They were just too long. And they hit the ground, so the knee pads helped. I, despi- I hated that week of all that, all the running, everything that went into it. But when we were playing in the game in the fourth quarter when the other teams were tired and we were still going and still good to go, I'm glad I learned to be disciplined enough to keep moving forward. But in the moment, I didn't enjoy it. And there are things in life we don't enjoy, and we don't enjoy the training that God has for us. But at the end, when we look back at it, it's not a grievous thing. When we look back at what God's done and see what he's doing through it all, you can rejoice and you can take comfort in the fact that God is trying to help us grow. He wants, we always give God, we, you should always give God the benefit of the doubt. Always. Always. He wants what's best for you today. Whom He loves, He chastens. We look at those verses, how can, we, how can we benefit from the Lord chastening His discipline, His training in our lives? Well, you need to remember what He says. That's where it begins. Not only remember it, but you've got to remember the purpose behind it. Sometimes it's because we're doing wrong and He needs to correct that wrong. Sometimes it's to prevent us from doing wrong. And sometimes it's to teach us the difference between right and wrong. It's not always that you're, that's where someone, oh, God's just correcting them. You don't know what God's doing in someone's life. And I don't know when we became the person to judge when God is correcting someone and when he's not. And sometimes God's working in our lives looks like correction, but doesn't always mean he's correcting us for something that we've done. The correction could be to help us in the future not do something else, because he knows what we need. Just like When you're a parent and you have children, you're trying to train them for life, right? You have them for a certain amount of time, and you have to train them and give them everything that they need through the Lord for life. And then pray that you have a good enough relationship, they'll come ask you anything that you left out after they're out of your house and things like that. Just like we look today in our world, it's amazing to me how parents will just hand their kids one of these. You can have them sheltered, good home, in a church, in a Christian school, and you're like, here you go. No kid should just be tossed a phone and say, here you go. Because most adults aren't trained what to do with these things. You need to train them. Because you love them. And I don't want this to be a stumbling block in my son's life as he grows up. So when the day comes, and when's the day your kid's going to have a phone? He'll probably be driving a car when he gets a phone. And that phone will barely be able to call me and maybe two other people. Your mom and me, that's about it. And you can talk to God anytime you want. So between those three, you're good to go. There will be no, it'll be, it'll be an old person phone. That's literally what it will be. So well, why? Because I have to train him. So that as he gets older, he knows how to use this to move forward. God has to train us. And we might not enjoy the process at times. But remember, he's doing it for your good. Not because he doesn't like you. Not because he doesn't want you. He wants what's best for us. He really does. And sometimes we could look at people and you know, sometimes I have to look at my own parenting with my kids. You know, did I, okay, we go to someone's house and then they something happens. Am I more embarrassed that it's a reflection on me and I'm more embarrassed for myself and I'm disciplining my children? Or am I doing it out of what it's supposed to be and as human beings we have a tendency sometimes to correct because we want ourselves not to look bad in situations where you never have to worry about that with god our prophet is why he does what he does every single time so if you're going to run this race you got to keep your eyes on jesus you got to consider him and you need to remember the fact that the lord's going to grow you and sometimes the growing's not fun. But he's doing it for your profit. And sometimes you've been, sometimes you've been a bad son or daughter. And maybe you need to just take that whooping and accept it. But there are other times he just shows you in his word, this is what you should be doing that you're not doing. And there's other times he teaches us through lessons. And we need to realize it might not all be fun. But at the end of the day, God knows what he's doing. And God is doing it for our profit. He's a good Heavenly Father, and He loves you. And don't forget those things. Father,